0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Marcus and Eric Learn Stuff from Smarter People. I'm Marcus Monroe. And I'm Eric Newman. And today we are joined by one of my good, good friends. He is, get this, dr- drum roll, he is a professional pilot. His name is Steve. And Steve, how you doing?
1: Not too bad. And I, I would just say I just drive the bus, Marcus. That's all I do, drive oh. the bus.
0: <laughs> we, booked, we booked a bus driver? <laughs> I thought he was a pilot. Oh, shoot. All right, we'll, we'll we'll just go with it can you pretend that you're a pilot?
1: Yeah we'll we'll run with it
0: so um you've been you've been piloting for how long How long have you been a pilot
1: with a major airline I, I guess I could say my airline right Alaska uh, kind of a kind of a niche carrier out here on the west coast people know us but 21 years with them and then I was in the Air Force for uh, 10 years so almost 30 years now.
0: Wow, well thank you for your service in the Air Force I, I feel like a lot of pilots spend time in the in, in the air Force is that correct?
1: No, actually, it's hardly anybody anymore. Back in the day, it used to be that way. But probably it's less than 10% of the pilots that are flying the commercial planes around now or in the military, whether it's the Air Force, Navy or the Marines and some Army pilots too. Um, but most, most people are a commer- come out of it uh, through colleges and
2: stuff. And do you feel like there's any favoritism to like that, to you being the 10%, like, like almost like, like you went to college before you played for the pros, like that, you know, that kind of thing?
0: Not
1: really. You know, I mean, it's, it's all about who you know, and, and networking to get on with a lot of the carriers. And so in all honesty, they don't, maybe in the, maybe back in the day, you know, military pilots might get a little bit more benefit of the doubt, but not anymore.
0: So Steve, I'm I'm curious to know what your day is like a day, a day in the life of Steve, Flying planes or buses, as you call them, for Alaska Airways, like, say, uh, you're, you're you're waking up, it's a day of a flight, take us through your day.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll just throw something out really quick. You know, we were paid hourly, which a lot of people don't know that. And it's, it's all a seniority-based system. So we bid a schedule every month, and then we have the ability to kind of trade trips around. And so that's kind of how we get the the, the schedules that we get. And so after you've bid everything and you've got your schedule set up and everything like that, the, the day comes and you're going to fly your trips. So most of our trips are, either a one day trip where you fly to a city and come back, or you get two or three day trips where you fly to multiple cities and you spend the night.
0: And then are you paid for every hour that you're gone or every hour that you're actually flying?
1: Whenever Once they close the door and you release the parking brake, then the the, uh, clock starts. And as soon as they open up that door for all you guys sitting up there in first class, as soon as that door opens, the clock goes, we go off the clock.
2: Oh, is that why sometimes you keep us on the runway for an extra hour?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, if you, we've got a new car, we got to pay for or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I guess you know, like a, a day in the life. You know, it's just like any others. You know, your 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 flight. Like most of my flights, I leave early in the morning off the West Coast. I do a lot of transcons back to the East Coast. So, uh, I'll give you just like one that I do all the time is down to Orlando. And so that that flight leaves at 610 or excuse me, 710 in the morning right now to Portland, Oregon.
0: Okay. So take us back. So you have a flight that leaves at 710 in the morning. What when time do you leave your house?
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna go with. So like I'm usually out of the house by 4:45. I'm I'm getting I'm excuse me, I'm out of the house by 510 because I want to get there an hour prior to the flight, six ten. You guys start boarding. Well, you guys are boarding, I'm looking over all the paperwork. Um, you know, looking over the weather. We don't do the flight planning. We've got a whole separate department that does the flight plan that picks out, uh, like in the in the summertime when there's going to be weather across the Midwest, like thunderstorms. So they work with air traffic control to, for, to develop the route that we're going to fly around those storms a lot of the times and uh, plan all the gas. So my job as a captain is to kind of look over all that paperwork, make sure that I agree with the plan. And then uh, about half hour before the the plane pushes back. The first officer will show up an hour prior and he's going to be the, he or she's going to be the one that does the walk around. So you see him out there going around, kicking the tires, making sure there's nothing wrong on the outside of the plane. And then they start to set up the, the flight deck and the computers all loaded, getting the flight plan loaded, everything like that. And then I show up about a half hour prior to do my stuff to get up, get my side of the flight deck all set up and situated before we push back.
0: Is there a lounge for the pilots to hang out in before the flight?
1: Um, there is, well, not, not at all the airports, but you know, like our home bases, they usually have, there's, we've got like a flight planning lounge where we go down, there's computers, there's, there's a coffee machine. Well, there used to be until COVID now, everything, you know, is kind of taken away, but, um, there's like coffee down there, snacks and all that type of stuff. So you can kind of get away from the general public a little bit.
2: L- like sna- snacks that you, that we get served or like exclusive snacks, like good stuff. yeah like
1: like the good no actually it's just like a vending machine so i don't know i I usually don't take too much of that so
0: (laughs) (laughs) will you know who the first officer is and and the flight attendants before you get on the plane
1: yeah so when you bid your schedule you find out once once everybody's biddings completed and it uh, and gets done the month prior you'll see like who you're flying with who the flight attendants are but up until the day before if there's open trips out there you can trade back and forth with other trips that are available so sometimes you'll show up you'll, you'll think you're going to fly with somebody the night before and you'll show up the next day to somebody completely different or if somebody get, if somebody gets sick they've got people that they're called reserve pilots and they'll call them out up to even two hours prior before the flight leaves
2: now are the reserve pilots are is that like sort of a stepping stone to becoming a full-time pilot or is it the other way is it more like i flew for 25 years and now i want to have more of a pickup schedule
1: it's just another part of the schedule, as far as you can bid reserve if you want to. So, in, in in good times, you're not flying very much, and so people love that. But in bad times, when like things are a bit, when the weather's crummy, sometimes I shouldn't tell you this, but sometimes people call in sick because they go like, I don't want to go to New York when the weather's crappy. So. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: tell us what else you shouldn't tell
1: us, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> what else shouldn't I tell us? <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'll throw it out there as we kind of go along there, Eric.
0: Okay. So you are getting the plane ready. It's about 645 in the morning. The Passengers are loading the plane. Sometimes I see the cabin door open and I kind of look in and I see all the controls and everything. So what are you guys doing when the, when the people are getting on the plane?
1: We're, we're kind of like go, turning all the systems on, like turning on the air conditioning. So, you know, I to cool it down back there, uh, putting all the information into the uh, flight computer so that that we've got the whole flight plan loaded and then we double check it, he he or she double checks it, I double check it, and then we double check it together to make sure that we're on the right page as far as uh, the flight plan in the computer. Because when you take off, we're gonna hand fly it initially, but then we're gonna hook it up to the flight computer and the flight computer is gonna fly it all the way to wherever we're going. Now we can control it, we can click it off whenever we want to, or we can, uh, if we're going around a thunderstorm, you can do that using like buttons up there to kind of fly the plane around it manually. So it's it's not the computer, it's not always flying it, but, uh, but that's kind of the gist of it.
2: What do you consider like your craziest moment uh, if there is such a thing? And it's probably a little bit of a vague question. What's like the craziest moment you can remember being up in the air?
0: You see a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's not wearing his or her mask.
1: You know, I haven't really had too many. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of interesting is probably once or twice a month, you have a medical on board where a passenger gets sick, all different kinds of reasons for that. Most of generally it's somebody that's taking some medication and then they get up there. Cause you're at altitude seven or eight or 9,000 feet and their body reacts differently. But every single time there's a medical in my 21 years, there's always some kind of medical professional, whether it's a doctor or a nurse or an EMT wow. on board. It's amazing, man. I was like, I got in the wrong business. I should be one of them because they're always on vacation. It seems like so.
2: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, is it true, I've heard rumors from friends, so obviously they're not reliable at all, but I've heard that sometimes on like almost every flight, there's like an undercover officer. Is that true?
1: Not so much anymore. The, you know what, you get a lot of there's a lot of people that are like the FBI and believe it or not the my, so my wife before she became a flight attendant was a CPA and now I'm totally drawn a to blank. Who does your taxes? The IRS. There's a lot of IRS agents flying around with guns, believe it or not. So
0: you <laughs> On the flights?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so they're allowed to they're allowed to there's like several like law enforcement officers and other people like that. And so we we know that up front who has who has weapons that are allowed to carry the weapons on board, they're not allowed to be armed. I mean, they're not allowed to be loaded.
0: Are they on their person or are they on, in their like carry-on locked inside a bag?
1: No, they're on their person. Wow.
2: And so you know, only you know who they are and where they're seated and stuff?
1: Yeah, so we'll know who they are, where they're seated and everything like that. So you have a lot of that. The air marshals that you're probably thinking of, Eric, that people talk about, That's program still going on. It was kind of dying off until September 11th. And when September 11th happened, it kind of kicked back in. And so they are on different flights and you never know when they're going to show up. They just show up randomly. Any
0: flights you've been on, Steve, have you had to utilize the air marshals?
1: No, and actually matter of fact, we have no say in what they're trained in what they do, and they only respond when they when they deem it necessary. So, they, something could happen, and they you may they may not do anything at all. So, it's it's really up to them and their training, and they're they're very professional. So,
2: you're saying if God forbids, there was an attack or something, they could choose not to get involved.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, because we go down. This is like a deep dark trail, but you know, I mean, there's there's like ruses. You know, there's like the idea that you know, like somebody could start a start a fight in the back, and and maybe that's a Ruse to get people to go back there to do something, whereas really their intention is towards the front. So,
0: little uh, false flag operation, little distraction. Exactly. So mid-flight, I, I've, I've noticed that they've put sometimes when you have to use the lavatory, the flight attendants will put a catering cart in front of the door to block people from accessing the the what do you call it? The cabin? What do you call it? Where you are?
1: The- uh, they call it the flight deck now. Flight deck. Isn't
0: that called the cockpit?
1: Nah, you know, it's part of the PC thing, so that kind of went out about 10 or 15 years ago, kind of like stewardess, that kind of went out too, so.
0: Well, here I am, living in the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you are wearing tie dye, so I made a. I did a lot of tie dye last year during quarantine, so a lot of my shirts are tie dye. I I've tied pretty much ninety percent of all my white t shirts.
1: Yeah, they put but they put that out there just like as a safety thing. Our airline doesn't do it, but I know they do it at different airlines where they do that, just kind of as a safety thing. So
0: you're flying to Orlando. How long is that flight?
1: So it depends. So the another another thing you'll, you'll kind of notice if you're going back and forth, flights in the summer are pretty pretty predictable. They're it's it's takes as long to go from the east coast to the west coast as it is to to the west to the east. But in the winter, there's a thing called the jet stream, which drops down in the summer. It's up over Canada in the winter. It drops down over North America. And so that's why in the wintertime, like it'll take you like four and a half hours to go to Orlando,
0: but six hours to come back.
1: That's kind of uh, what causes that there. So about four and a half hours, five hours at the longest to get to Orlando.
0: And what are you doing during the flight? I mean, because a lot of it is, yes, you're controlling the plane, making sure the altitude's good. But a lot of that is computers, as you were saying. So if it's a smooth sailing Nothing crazy in the weather. you don't have a lot to do. what are you what are you doing in there in the uh, flight deck?
1: You know what? you you become good at talking about just about everything We're like, you know, you're basically monitoring everything. You're monitoring the fuel and making sure that checking the weather and making sure the weather's not changing and everything like that. But really the majority of the time we've got some training we can do. So we could do some quarterly training, but most of the time you're kind of talking, talking, talking about stocks, investments, what Marcus's next show is going to be like when we uh, get back to New York. Uh, That's right. <laughs> is Eric going to show up and open for him, or vice versa? I don't know. So. It's
0: gotta be vice versa. No, you're open for me now, baby. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I kind of explained it like, you know, you get into a closet with somebody you don't know for five hours and then just, you know, come up with some random conversations. You, you guys will like this. Okay, so we have this thing called The Jump Seat. And have you ever seen uh, Taxi Cap Confessions or something like that? That show's a,
0: an old show, right? Yeah, well, I'm an old guy, man. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like it was on like 20 years ago, right? Like that show? taxi cab confessions where people are just talking about their life in the back of a taxi cab.
1: So we have this thing called the jump seat so other pilots, whether airlines or our airline or whatnot, can sit in the jump seat to get a free ride wherever they want to go and I'm telling you man, you will hear the weirdest things with those people sitting in there because people get in there they feel like they just got to tell you their whole life story they got to tell you what's going on with their family, if they're getting divorced you name it man, It that has been like the crazy, some of the craziest stories I've heard is uh, the people sitting in the jump seat along, along the
0: way. Can you without naming any names, can you tell us one? one <laughs> there was one guy I, I
1: don't know how deep and dark you want
0: to get but um whatever you want this is it this is what we live for
1: I don't know if this is all that funny but there, there was a guy that he and he was kind of infamous out here on the west coast he he got married then he got divorced and so then he got married to this flight attendant and he was telling us this whole story about how she had two kids and so they get married and then she, he decided to take custody of the kids and so he signs up to take custody in the state of Washington you got a year before you gain custody of those kids in a year and a day she divorced him moved to vegas with her with her boyfriend and dumped the kids on him so we're like no l- to this, yeah we're like listen to the story going oh my gosh dude <laughs> You're
2: like that is brutal you just got to eject him and put him out of his misery just eject, yeah, <laughs> eject the seat
1: <laughs> yeah so th- those type of stories it's kind of crazy
2: wow that's insane have you sat in that seat a bunch, in that jump seat?
1: I have a little bit, not so much. Usually when we travel, um, we travel. That, that, that's kind of a misnomer. So we could travel for free on our own company, but that's only if there's seats available. And I mean, a lot of times we've got kids, so the times so we can travel is when everybody else is traveling. So generally we're in the back using a miles or tickets just like everybody else
0: would you say the ratio to pilots marrying flight attendants is pretty high
1: it's probably somewhere about 15 to 20 percent maybe or so other pilots we've got a lot of, a lot of actual pilots that are married to other pilots too because i mean it's a weird industry it's kind of like you guys you know you're traveling around your schedule's you know kind of wonky every other every month you're going someplace different and so if you if you're leaving your partner behind it, it takes a lot of trust to to be in it and so you know somebody else is kind of living that life too they kind of understand it
2: and, and there's got to be a lot of extramarital affairs going on between uh pilots and a ton right yeah,
1: yeah I don't know if, I, I don't want to say a ton to make it sound like it's like a free-for-all but there'd be
0: any more or less than any other profession that happens anywhere I would assume
1: yeah when I first got on we ha- our big spot was Mexico and so it was kind of a it was kind of a party down there with the crews they'd have like three or four crews a night at the same hotel and down a Puerto of and cabo and whatnot and that was kind of a party but it's kind of I'll be completely honest with the i mean I, I, don't, I don't mean this is going to sound how do i say this i hope i'm not dragging the show down but like as it's kind of gone into as times have changed and perceptions and the way people treat each other have changed that's kind of died off quite a bit um there's a lot of kind of like why well, you don't call it the cockpit anymore it's a flight deck so people are afraid to to let themselves go a little bit like they used to
2: yeah and also like i imagine do do they see it Do you guys see it or does, like, it's the airline industry see pilot hitting on flight attendant? Do they see that as like a power thing? Like kind of your boss is, does that exist?
1: So you're talking about, like, as far as a pilot over a flight attendant, like kind of, yeah, yeah, it does only really in the air, like the captain supposedly has the last say so there's kind of like that command structure or whatever on it, but I will tell you that um, a lot of the flight attendants are pretty independent, they're pretty independent people and so they don't put up with too much crap.
0: So let's say like you land in Orlando. What are your duties in terms of like work responsibilities when you land the plane?
1: Best thing about it is, is we're kind of the opposite of most people. Like you guys are just kind of long for the ride to get somewhere and then you got to go to work where for us, we're like working to get there. And then it's like, it's our, it's a, it's our free time. So for me, like say going to Orlando, we get there at about 2.15, 2.30 or so, and then we don't leave until 4 the next day and we're off.
0: So, so you're going to Disney World. I know you. you're going to Disney.
1: Yeah, we've got to Disney World. I, there's a guy I fly with. He's a big water skier. So he's got a friend that's got a boat that's pretty close to our hotel. So we've gone out and gone water skiing out on this lake. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So That's really cool. Yeah. If you get to, I mean, you almost have like mini vacations all the time if you play it, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So depending upon where you bid, where you get to go, like we, we get flights to Hawaii, which that's amazing when you get those. To, to be able to hang out on the beach, go surfing. There's a lot of dudes that surf. People keep their boards there at our hotel. So uh, there's a couple people to bring bikes with. Like they have these like little collapsible folding bikes and then they kind of go out and explore all over the place. So... Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. The the downside is, is I mean, I don't even want to call it a downside. But after you've been to San Diego, like 100 or 200 times, you kind of you kind of get into a rut or routine, where it's like, you keep going to the same restaurants, you keep going to doing the same things. And sometimes you get to break yourself out of that a little bit.
0: So the, the, the airlines will set you up in a hotel, they'll probably pay for that, they'll pay for like a little stipend for meals and transportation. Is that how it works?
1: Yeah. So the airline sets up the hotel. So, you know, with all the different hotels you're staying at, they can change quite a bit, sometimes depending upon the, the contract they give with the hotel. So they they do change now and then. And yeah, they set up our transportation to and from the airport as well. And we get a small stipend. That's not pretty much.
2: Can you separate, right? Because traveling is your work. Are you able, when you go on a family vacation or you go with friends or whatever, are you able to separate travel from vacation? Like work from leisure
1: oh yeah yeah i mean that's what that's what i mean to be completely honest i mean i enjoy flying but really what i love about it is traveling so anytime we can hit the road and uh, go experience something different we can de- i definitely but there
2: are there are a lot of guys
1: that i work with that they don't want to go anywhere near an airport
2: yeah i can imagine they just like they're like my idea of vacation is to just sit on my couch for two weeks right like take a road trip i do
1: get the uh you should own a plane you should buy a plane it's like owning a boat man it's a giant sinkhole that you stuff money into and it just disappears and like the last thing i want to do is go fly a plane when i get home so but everybody's a little bit different
0: real quick before we go steve i've always wanted to know how do how do planes work in a nutshell like how are we (laughs) flying like it doesn't seem like sometimes we take off and it's just like we go super fast and now we're slowly going back and now we're in the sky i'm like how does this like i get it there's air movement maybe something like
1: air. So two things that I think are kind of interesting. So a lot of people don't think about this, but the air is really made up of millions of molecules, just like the water, right? It's just not as like, not as dense as water is. But so when, when the, when a plane takes off it, it, you'll see the flaps, those things behind, and then on the front of the wings. Well, that, that gives the wing a curvature, which allows the plane to fly slower without getting too technical, but that's what allows the plane to fly slower when you take off. And then we put them back out when we land, because you don't want to be coming in at, you know, 200, 300 miles an hour. So yeah, once you get going fast enough with the with the engines pushing the thrust out the back, the air starts flowing over the wing. And the air actually it it, it because of that curve, it, it's a difference in pressure. And that pressure is actually what lifts you up into the air. And, and then so people get worried about turbulence and everything like that, like the airplane's gonna fall apart or whatnot. But I mean, they're designed not to, the way to think about turbulence, turbulence is just the air moving around. So like if you're in a boat, if you're going around a corner in a stream or something like that, and you see the water kind of bubbling and burbling and everything like that, and you kind of go through it and the boat kind of rocks a little bit, that's the same thing that can happen up in the air. And that's what turbulence generally is as well too. So that's kind of how they fly. I don't know if that makes
0: sense. Yeah. So turbulence is just nothing to worry about. Just a bump in the road. Yeah. It's just some bumps in the road. So yeah <laughs> i love it i love it eric do you have any last questions for steve
2: no i just want to tell you that i uh i think it's really like i could never do it and i think it just takes a ton of uh, focus and just like confidence that I would never have in myself to have that much responsibility, be in charge of that many people and, and all that. So I just want
0: to say that I, you know, I think it's so cool what you do. Yeah. I second that. I could never do it. I don't have the hair for it. Eric, you have the hair for it. I could never. Uh... Now,
2: but I wouldn't, there's no way I'm holding up like Steve will in, in 10,
0: 15 years or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Your, your hair is going to slowly thinning up. Yeah. It's going to be gone. Soon.
2: Steve, Steve Steve's dad definitely had a full head of hair. I would say
0: Steve, do you have, a favorite Wright brother? Oh man! You know what?
1: I just read their book, and I, I, I'm not sure if I necessarily do, but uh, I'm going to go with Charles. How's that?
0: Yeah, Charles probably the number one Wright yeah. brother. No, Orville. Orville yeah. from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. And then he made um, popcorn.
1: Yeah, there wasn't no, there was no Charles, was there? I don't even know. I don't
0: actually know. It sounds like Charles Wright sounds like a, a name that would have been any person in the what were planes made the tens. The
1: 20s? Yeah, back in the 10s. You guys would be surprised. You guys get up in front of those audiences, everything like that. You guys get the confidence to see that you could, you could fly a plane.
0: No, we absolutely could not fly a plane.
2: Could we just like give it a go one time? Like you'll like watch us, but you'll just let us uh, sort of fly to Mexico or whatever. Like me and Marcus could.
1: If you guys ever make it out to Seattle, let me know because uh, that's where our, our training headquarters is, and I can get you in the simulator sometime. So I will
0: say oh. that would be so much fun. I will say that Seattle airport, that Alaska lounge has the best pancakes I've ever had. They got those
1: make your own pancakes, don't they? They do. It's amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much, uh, Steve, for your time today. I appreciate you. Steve actually has his own podcast that uh, I want to plug real quick. It's called the DCL podcast, Disney cruise line podcast. Check that out. It's I've been a guest on that at least three times. It's a great podcast. If you're into cruising and Disney, or just curious about it in general, it's a great knowledgeable podcast. And he puts sentences together way better than Eric and I do. So it's definitely a great listen. Um, Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Steve.
1: Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure being on.
0: Eric, what did you learn, man? I learned that 100% of pilots have perfect hair. They do. They sure do. What did you learn? I didn't know that they were paid hourly. I think that's so cool. That
2: is crazy. They're like, we have to circle the runway for another 10 hours.
0: My name is Marcus Monroe. (laughs) And I'm Eric Newman. This has been Marcus and Eric. Learn stuff from smarter people. Make sure to find us on all of our socials. And we'll see you next week.
2: Hey, music lovers. The Pinch Music Podcast is made for you. Listen as two maniacs and a genius defend, debate, and curate a weekly playlist covering everything from jazz, rock, country, hip-hop, krautrock, rock, Jimmy Buffett, ugh. Yep, we listen to it all on the Pinch Music Podcast, so join the debate, discover new artists, and take a musical journey with us every week on the
0: Pinch Music Podcast, brought to you by Paper, Paper House, House Network. Network.